I'm gonna pedal around in that Midwest dirt until the sun goes down. I might get stuck in the mud, but I'd rather get lost out here than anywhere else. I'm gonna pedal around in that Midwest dirt. Hey, mountain bike rail listeners, this is Ben Welnack, and I just wanted to do a quick intro to explain what this is all about. So this Midwest Dirt Show for the next probably two weeks will be hijacked with what I'm calling the Fat Bike Berkey Special. Uh, I'm going to be highlighting locals, people from the Berkey, racers, and everybody that I can find that's attached to this race somehow to bring you the experience, the people, the stories, the stories about the area, the stories about the race, and uh, that's what this is. So all these interviews coming up from Midwest Dirt, I think, apply to everybody out there, whether you're from the Midwest or not. I know a lot of you who aren't from the Midwest and probably don't really care. I'd encourage you to listen anyway, because some of the stories uh, apply to everybody. And it's something that if you are into fat biking or not, I think you'll get way more about the experience than the bikes themselves and the race themselves. Um, that's part of it. But I think in terms of all of it, it's not a huge part of it. We will probably talk about tech, probably not uh, too big into detail other than asking people what they were running during the race or that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, so that's what this is going to be all about. You'll hear this intro in several different episodes, but uh, I just wanted to give you a heads up. If you have any questions about that, comments, whatever it is, uh, you can shoot me an email. It's ben at mountainbikeradio.com. And for anybody out there, you definitely have an open invite to come on up to our neck of the woods. We have plenty of fat bike season left. I would say probably a month at this point at least. We have so much snow. Uh, but that's it. So thank you for listening. And like I said, even if you're not from the Midwest and you're not into fat biking, I would definitely just give it a listen for a little while. Give it a chance and uh, you can get some of the local flavor, see what's going on in our neck of the woods. And uh, that's it. So thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting Mountain Bike Radio. I really appreciate it. And, uh, enjoy. This is Ben Welnack with Ben Hall, a.k.a. Mountain Bike Ben, and Tim Krieger. He is the uh, guy behind a few things that we'll talk about a little bit. This isn't like a dig into your businesses thing. This is more of like Fat Bike Berkey. We're yeah, here sitting out here. So yeah, yeah. I'm here only as Tureen Tires right now. Okay, so Tureen Tires. Tureen Tires. Esker Cycles. Yeah. Um, com, right? It is, yeah. Okay, and Tureen Tires.com. Okay. Yep. So we'll talk tires if anything. We like this to keep one. those nice and simple. Okay. <laughs> okay. So what we're doing is we are. I'll post a picture of this because we're sitting in the uh, yeah, official. Yeah, this is a cool setup. Mountain bike radio, terrain tires, Atso lounge. Yeah. Uh, pretty cool green couch, couple chairs. Um, but Ben is out. In case you haven't listened to the last six Midwest Dirts, I think, or five or whatever it was, um, Ben is out here from New Hampshire to join me and uh, record some stuff and have some fun. So. All right, so this one we're just getting warmed up. Just warming up. Okay, it's uh, it's 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 event day one. Yes, of two. And the scene is, I mean, 
that's it. I, I was going to say we got to set the scene here because the recording lounge, the, the, the portable studio is in full effect right now. We've got a TV right next to us that we have videos from past Fat Bike Berkey's playing. I'm sitting on a beautiful pea green uh, sofa that came yeah. from where? That is very... Did oh, it come Mike. From the Goodwill? No, Mike Hag. Oh, it came from Hag's house? Yeah. Nice. And it's a pullout, so if you get yeah. tired later... Oh, we're sleeping here tonight. Oh, there you go. And the chairs, <laughs> are, chairs are Salvation Army. For, oh, 30 bucks a piece matching. They're going to go in the studio. Cable nice. Cabin Studio. Nice. The CableCabin.com cable studio. <laughs> Forward slash the studio. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what? That's a really good idea. So, so we were talking it. the other night with the cable place. So yeah. I, I set up, I got the URL of cablecabin.com. And that was a joke the other night in I'm the podcast. I'm surprised no one took that. I know. That's amazing. There's the cable cottage. Oh, sure. Um, what's his name? Uh, Pagel. Bruce has the sure. cable cottage, he calls it, on Airbnb, which I learned after. But anyhow, so that's in the back is going to be a studio. I think I might try to get that from Mike and use these. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, use these chairs and that couch. Um, so, yeah, so this recording we're just like shooting the shit trying to get get the juices flowing well so it's, and it's, at first i want to get your opinion on what you think so far because for tim and i this is like this is normal this is normal well so you're driving in on this dirt road which is all snow covered right now you're driving away from town it seems like you just keep going and going and going and all of a sudden you turn around this corner and here's this huge starting gate system for the berkey Mm-hmm. For the ski Berkey, but yeah. then also for fat bike Berkey. And it is, I mean, it's, it's, at first it was a little surreal, like, oh my gosh, I'm in like, it looks like you could run a, an Olympic ski race out of this place. Yeah. And then, uh, and you can. Just, and yeah. it's just, yeah, I was just going to say, but at the same time, it's just the community yeah. of fat bikers that are here. So yeah. it just feels like, right. I don't know. It's pretty cool. And today's it's pretty a very chill. Cool scene. Today's pretty chill. Very um, chill. The thing that's cool about riding in on the on McNaught is that right now the snow is so piled up that it's just when you get closer to the the start, it's just this like like where where am I going? Yeah, right. If you're new to it, I could see it's like where are we? Yeah, going? I had no yeah. idea where we yeah. were going. You're almost yeah. on a snowmobile trail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, in, in, in our area, like Lake Placid, New York, right, which held the Olympics, mm-hmm. it's the town is built around the whole recreation center. Yeah. And there's a town but the rec, rec, the rec center is, I mean, this place, as I'm calling the rec center, is a couple miles away from town. You mm-hmm. drive out of town to get to it. Mm-hmm. So it's just a little different of a feel. Yeah, gotcha. So, Tim, you're originally from, well, not originally, but you grew up in this area, right? Yeah, this, I call this home. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, so this is just normal. It's a normal Yeah, I mean, it's been good to see, like, since I call this home, I mean, I've been coming here, um, well, especially to this this particular point in space, right? Like now that it's a, uh, um, uh, the Berkey start, you know, that's it's like I three say five years. years, three years ago they well, built this. Know. You know, in my time I've skied, I've skied a bunch of Berkeys. I probably skied 10 or 12 Berkeys or something Seriously? like that. I yeah. didn't know that. And, uh, well, before fat biking was a thing, you know, Nordic skiing is what you did up here in the winter. Right. Um, and so that makes you know, a lot of sense. There were, yeah. there were years <laughs> that, we started just on the other side of this tree line over here on the airport runway. Mm-hmm. There were years that we started back over on the golf course in Telemark. There were years that we started right at the base of the hill in Telemark. I mean, uh, I want to say one of my very first years ever, um, literally at the base of the hill right over in Telemark, was uh, was all the starting gates that are out here now. So right? this whole thing is new? This is only a couple of years old, right? Yeah. So basically what... Uh, Wow. Uh, if people know the area, what happened? So we're on this la- area of land right here. We're right up about 
against this 800 acres of land over here that's called Telemark, right? It uh, it was a ski resort uh, in the 60s, and it became kind of the home for a lot of Nordic skiing. They held World Cup Nordic ski races it's here. It's the right? reason we're all here. It, yeah, it's the reason. It's the reason that we're was all the here. Tony Wise, as you've heard the name. Yep. Uh, in that Telemark property, which we, I'll drive you over there just to take a look at what's yeah, sure. over there. But that was like the snowball that kind of just kicked it all off, I think. Interesting. So, because he um, was big vision. His vision 50 years ago is like starting to come into fruition. He's not around anymore, but like his original idea that he, he got going and got to a certain point, whatever, 50 years later, now it's like, now this, it's full swing. And, yeah. You know, and the only yeah. sad thing is like the kind of the way. The way you know, there's an alp- a small alpine ski hill there, where that kind of stuff has fallen off, and those you know they're all suffering nationwide now. So basically, the Telemark Hotel and ski hill and all that kind of went under. And yeah. so the one thing is, there's been this this uh, this property's been changing hands a lot. No one really knows what's going on all the time. Yeah. And so that's what why we're here right now is because uh, the Berkey wasn't able to like continue coping with the unsteadiness of. Who owns Telemark? What land are we using? Yeah. Some, oh, no kidding. Some wow. years they were having to pay rent to be on Telemark yeah. land. Some years they were paying rent to be on the airport over here um, and all this. And so I I don't know the full details. Some of this was donated and some of it was fundraising and purchased. And some of this building was donated, I think. There was just, but anyway, yeah. um, now the, the Berkey finally acquired all this as theirs. And now this is like the permanent Berkey start, which is... Which is a huge thing because I mean, yeah, for um, it's the stability behind it. Since now. for like the last fifteen years, there's been a lot of instability as far as like where Berkey starts every year. Um, yeah, because it was yeah, along can with you the instability the emails and calls you had to deal with. Like where, oh, are we, right. where, where are we starting now? Like I can't imagine. Like yeah, especially and then um, with all the instability of of snow over the past decade too. Um, you know, they just they weren't they weren't able to cope with it so yeah so finally the getting HKD this is snow guns that are right here the fan guns those yeah. are all new as well yeah that's so all that's new, new i mean i can year. see that they're brand so new so that but. whole snowmaking effort's new this year so what they're trying to do is develop a at the the end goal is to have like a world it's i think it's a world cup race yeah. it's on the circuit or whatever yeah i mean so actually if you go out here in the in the telemark ski trails yep. so there's several ski trails to leave out here there's Berkey, Maine. There is Cordelopa, there is the Berkey Classic, but then there's also another network of trails over here that is uh, basically the Telemark Ski Trails, and one of them is called the World Cup Course, hmm. because it literally was a World Cup Course, I want to say late 70s. Okay. Um, and yeah, that's the goal is, we're trying to get that back, because um, as far as, I don't think there is anything east right now, as far as I know, we don't have any World Cup stateside right now, do we, for Nordic? So. I've been a, I've been a little unplugged from the Nordic world yeah, since Fat Bike started. I'm like <laughs> as far as Olympic Channel goes is what far as I go. Okay. So YouTube TV, my new favorite thing is Olympic Channel. Uh interesting. I just turn that on. I watch Nordic skiing, biathlon, curling, luge. Nah, not so much curling, but luge and skeleton are a ton on there. Um, but Nordic skiing, so you start to like pay attention. But the snowmaking thing, the whole idea, and I, this is very loose based off of what. I've well, you've gathered from Ben, basically, yep. is what they're trying to do is get a World Cup race here. And that that race would be like the beginning of April. It's like the oh, first wow. weekend of April. Yeah. So the wow. rule is for this to have this facility, you need to have so much snow piled up on the course. So it's like you need three feet of base to have to run this event. Yeah. So eventually you have snowmaking where you can you can run this event like a whole loop. You can like it's a two and a half K loop or whatever it is, small loop. 
But you have it all. That's it. Two and a half k. Well, it's maybe four. I don't know. It's yeah. I mean, World Cups. World Cup because it's spectator and TV and all that. Yeah, it is. They do a lot of short track laps because then they do relays and different events. Like yeah, um, I do. I know hardly anything about the Nordic. Yeah. So so the whole idea is to build a base that you. The rule is to have this event. You need X amount of snow built up. So no matter what conditions, whether like in Sweden, it was just 70 70 degrees for like the world champs in Sweden. Yeah. Like 70. Because they had the snow base, they were good to go. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So that's why they're quite, anyhow, so you have that low snow years, you guarantee that there is something for the Berkey. Yep. Yep. You know, something, Uh, fat bike race, there is something. You can always do the thing this year was early season. You ran a lot of this. They had a snowmaking, this big stretch. Uh-huh. So they ran events and the races they could run because there was a little snow early in the year around. So they were able to run like junior events, high school races, like whatever it is you could do. You can count on it being here because they piled up snow early season. So that's why those things are such a big deal. Yeah. Um, but what comes with that is you don't, you need a water source. So you need high pressure right. well. Which isn't great here. Yep. So they need, you know, Telemark has the facilities to eventually have something there as well. So anyhow, but that those snow machines are a big deal for a lot of different groups. Wow, um, and those are some of the top of the line fan guns that you could ever get. Yeah. I mean, those I mean, things. I'm sure you saw the groomers Most over there. Most areas would kill to have those. Yeah, right? I'm sure you saw the groomers over there. They oh, don't yeah. mess around. Yeah. I mean, those pissing bullies. Yeah. Well, and the Berkey Foundation's been great too, because while well, the Berkey's a one weekend kind of thing. Um, the foundation has grown all kinds of stuff out where, well, for one is we're here now. This is a Berkey foundation event for fat bikes, which is super cool. But the, with this uh, infrastructure they've put in now, there's something here almost every weekend in January and February, yeah. like state championships for high school kids, other high school events, um, Paralympics, uh, junior Olympics. Like there's stuff here every yeah. weekend. Huh? It's pretty awesome. How about collegiate, yeah. much collegiate stuff. Yeah. Up there? Uh, a little bit. Uh, I think the collegiate stuff, they tend to stick more towards some of the, yeah. the areas like, a yeah, lot of, closer to a lot of the colleges yet. have their home trails. Not yet, but when they have a course, something like that, it's like guaranteed. You know, yeah. it would probably be a guaranteed stop on whatever. Well, and I'm sure there's a bidding process that you got to put in to try yeah. and get some of those up here. But yeah, so it's just it. Yeah, part it of the works. process. It works, and there's a camera over on the uh, start house over there. So you can go to the website. There's a webcam, and that yep. thing. Ben told me that the webcams on the website is like the traffic is like eight times the rest of the site. People just, just love to look at yeah, the yeah, yeah. snow. They just look yep. out the webcam. So. Well, we're all sitting down in Minneapolis going, huh, wonder what's happening up there. Log on, we get to see the snow. Yeah, and that's <laughs> it. Like, and you find yourself, you're like, I'm just looking at snow, you know, but you just keep doing it. So, but yeah, so it's pretty cool. We're here. Um, this actually is really cool right now because there's no wind. It's like 30 degrees. Meredith and TJ are over there. Um, but uh, so I want to ask you, Tim, you were in Sedona last week, yeah. mountain bike festival. You travel all over the place constantly. Yeah. Like constantly. So what is it like when you come back here? I mean, your parents are still here, so it's kind of like you're coming back to your Yeah, it's my hometown know. proud. Yeah. So. But what's it like? I mean, what's the feeling like when you're headed back? You still get excited? Oh, heck yeah. I mean, that's that's like uh, a lot of people ask us with Tureen because uh, we do mostly fat bike tires. And 80% of our business is fat bike tires. And uh, people kind of ask me, like, what are you doing, right? Because, yeah. we, like, like you said, with Esker, we travel all around the country. We go to all these mountain bike events. Um, the energy here is just as good as any mountain bike event at Sedona, Moab, yeah. right, like that. They and have mountain the biking is, in the Upper Midwest? What's that? Do they have mountain biking in the Upper Midwest? Oh, just a little bit, right? We have, a, we have one trail. <laughs> no, he was summer. telling me, he's like, that's a common question. Oh, yeah, like I'm Wisconsin, sure. there's Mount, Minnesota, yeah. there's mountain biking? Well, like we were talking before, um, there's so much... 
so much bike marketing is based on mountains and western, right? Yeah. And so it it because it's just not as sexy here in Minnesota, but we still have you know we have more trail here, you know, sitting here in this county than there is in all the Sedona stuff, right? Yeah. But Sedona's a destination. I think we're a destination here too. People just don't know about it as much. But then um, it also has to do with our seasonality, right? We can only ride. Yeah, we can only ride dirt six months a year. Yeah, um, but that's you need what makes to be, it awesome. You need to be hardier. Is we get this stuff <laughs> the other six months of the year, right? Yeah. The fat bike thing, and that's the funny thing. I, 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 when I travel around, people ask me like, why we're doing this thing with Tureen, where we're doing mostly fat bike tires and all that, and it's because we're based here, right? It's like, yeah. um, if you go all around the country, like we were talking before, you go all around the country, people think fat bikes are dead. Oh, is this fat? It came and went. It's gone. Well. There's a thousand people here this weekend that beg to differ, right? Yeah. And a thousand, I mean, that means this is a bigger event than a lot of those, you know, bike, mountain bike events we go to around the country. Well, Ben was saying, you know, with the, not to derail, but Ben was saying the, um, which I am, when people say that, it's like, not to derail your statement, but I, but I am totally derailing your statement. But he was saying, uh, (laughs) at Highland, right? It was like 300 people, and that was, they were like, over the moon with that. Well, kind of thing? but it was every single event this year. Yeah. So they, they were averaging around 120 and they, yeah. had, they had over 300 people this year or just, just, excuse me, just about 300 people. And then at Kingdom Trails, they were, they've been averaging 350 and this year they had 450. So I, I, I say the, the, the fat bike is alive and well and it's probably growing. Yeah. It's just yeah, when just, you mentioned, you know, a thousand whatever people here. And people like Ben, he's talking to a lot of people out there and they don't, they've never heard of it. Right. So it's like, how does that happen? And I listened to your episode from that where people were stoked. Right. And over the moon was, you were talking to people. At Winter Woolly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, people who had yeah, never ridden a fat lo- bike before. Yeah. Those people are loving it. They, and that's the thing is, so this, this just doesn't get the nationwide visibility. It doesn't have the sexy marketing. So people don't know we're up here in the woods doing this. Um, but it's, you know, just as important to everyone around here as anything else and that's why that's why we love it because for one it lets me uh like from a purely personal perspective it's how i ride bikes for six months of the year so fat bikes are awesome because i get to ride bikes year round now um but then from a business perspective um we get to be this hyper local company where we're doing this thing that fuels our area and gets people stoked on bikes year round yeah. um and so that, i don't and I, I get to go to mountain bike events yeah year-round. and i don't know your dad yet i haven't met your dad yet but uh, the other day in Marketplace, I saw a guy walking around with a Tureen tire hat. Oh, nice. And I was like, man, yeah, I should introduce myself, but I'm pretty sure it's your dad. But, yeah. Um, but so with that, too, with just the area and you get to come back up here, what is it? So a good example, I'm not going to go into details, but a good example of a reason that I like it is with you is last year for Hungry Bear, which is a uh, cool gravel event that when are you doing that may what what is that yeah may 11th i think this yeah, okay. year but last year you were scouting out the course beforehand and you uh managed to uh break your truck somehow oh yeah but what i'm getting at is the the freedom to just go out there and just nobody's gonna question like you're almost on your own to the point where if you break your truck like it's your own fault like there's not rules around like hey you can't drive your truck here it's like you can if you want you just you might break it yeah, it's I mean, just we, the freedom, like what I'm getting at, I guess, is it, I don't know if you could put it in the words, but just describe people like when you live here and you come here, the freedom you have to do Bayfield County Forest and Sawyer County Forest, nobody's going to question. Right. Like you just have to be a good person on your own. Like yeah, you can't think, be a dick. Like, you know, like there's not rules. There's like 
Woods rules. You just oh, have you, freedom you to know do it. Like, um, it's well, it's all, it's a balance, right? So that's actually you you hit the nail on the head. That's why I come up here. I yeah. come up here because even you know we can go out to the desert, supposedly wide open and empty. Yeah. And there's, but there's still people everywhere because everyone goes there for vacation. We come up here. I can go out. Um, like our hungry bear race, we can ride a hundred miles of gravel without going by an establishment. Right. Yeah. And uh, and I come up here so that I can get away from everything and get away from people. Um, and we have to balance that because I think the other side of it is we started the Schwamigan 100 as to get people up here to. It's a <coughs> it's a tough it's a tough balance to develop the area, right? But uh, yeah, Tim's over here. You need a drink? Okay, cool. So uh, yeah, Tim's gonna grab a drink here. This is this is why I like doing this kind of thing because we can just say, you know what. Tim's yeah. stepping away for yeah, a second. Take, take, take a second. Yeah. But have, have you gotten that feeling of like here you can just kind of, it's like uh, free to like kind of just. Yeah, everybody's kind of going to their own, to the, the marching to their own beat of the drum, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just, so I wanted to ask Tim because cause, we've been talking for a bit and you lived out in Western Mass for a period of time. Yeah. So you've oh, got a little bit that? of New England floating through your blood. Oh, yeah. yeah. Seven, I spent seven seasons uh so it was, it was only only in the summers. I didn't spend winters out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I spent seven years out there. So this reminds me a lot of home. Very yeah. Very a lot of a lot of reasons that this place reminds me of being in northern New Hampshire or in Vermont and even Western Mass in some spots, like in the Berkshires and so forth. This reminds me a lot of that. And that's that, why I was I was always comfortable out there because you know the there's definitely a difference of people, right? Yeah. West yeah, yeah. Coast people. But like when I, yeah, when I was in Western Mass, like DAR State Forest was the closest one for me. Riding rocks and roots, very similar to here, tight single track. And especially when in that time of my life was before, also before the massive single track boom across the country. Mm-hmm. So trails here weren't the flow trails they are now. They were tight, twisty, old deer you know, paths, old st- old style, right? Yep. Which is what it was out there too. Um, but then even and then when I would travel up to like you know Western Mass, I was comfortable in. But what I my favorite thing I like to say is when you go up into Maine, Maine to me is Wisconsin with bigger hills. Yeah, like, sure. Everything is that the is. same. The people are the same. The yeah. culture is the same. Like, it's so weird. Like Down East. Dealing with it. Yeah, Down East, right? Like, and, um, yeah, Down East folks, just like how they live their lives, how they build their houses, how they fill their front yards so with trucks. So down, where's Down uh, East referred to? The area of Maine. Okay. And, uh. They're so totally like a specific, northern. like the downstate part of Maine? Is that like the down east, like the southern part? Or? Not really. It's kind of the Maine, New Hampshire border area. Okay. Um, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a it's a thing, but they're totally Wicked accents. There. Yeah. Wicked yeah. accents. Wicked, right? Wicked accents. Um, so it was comfortable, right? And it's kind of that same thing. It's like you're, I guess maybe that's me as, as far as. Wanting to be out in that woods, wanting to be away from people, wanting to have space where you can just go do your thing, right? Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Yep. Go get lost in the woods for a couple of hours. You find a lot about yourself when you're lost exactly. in the woods for a couple of hours. Like Ben was referring to before, crash a truck and hope that you can hammer it back together Let's to drive it out of the pictures. Uh, last, So last picture. year I was running, uh, we were running Hunger Bear, and there was uh, um, a gravel road out there that we were using. That uh, <coughs> um, it hadn't been run by. It was in this. So it was last year. So what happens is, for listeners who aren't from northern areas, what happens is we get, especially end of April, beginning of May, depending on weather, snow, and whatever, the frost is really coming out of the ground. 
So like a lot of those gravel roads, what will happen is, you know, it's been frozen for six months. And what happens is trunks come out, stuff washes out underneath. So it'll be totally fine. It'll seem like a totally fine road. And all of a sudden you'll come to a spot where it's just like, Soup. maybe there's an old thing that or old culvert or something, or just, you know, a pocket burst out and it just started washing away. So you all of a sudden perfectly good gravel road. And all of a sudden there's like a gully. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So I was like the first one down one of these gravel roads in the spring and uh, a culvert had collapsed. And I was running it. Uh, I was, you know, the woods, again, you're out in the woods. You get to do what you want to do, right? So I may have been running a little fast. <coughs> and, uh, Coming in hot. And I uh, caught air. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, yeah, it's just, it's, I don't know, it's something that you, you uh, Odia's uh, running the show over here, what you got going. But, yeah, it's just, the two years I've lived here, that's, that's the, I've gotten so used to that, like when I go back to my parents, like southern, you know, my brother and parents and family in southeastern Wisconsin. It's just like, it's like, it's claustrophobic. It's like that house is right there, and there's no, there's no public just land anywhere. Just because the amount of it's the just, population. Yeah, it becomes. It's it, it's you start looking at areas, and I, I try not to be a dick about it. Like, yeah, I never live there. I don't do that. It's like everyone has their thing, but. When I look at different areas of housing, right? So there's like a neighborhood of like 50 houses around cul-de-sac and trees and there's a park. And I just think to myself, I'm like, I've become so used to living here with the open public land, all the different stuff. It's just, it it becomes claustrophobic to me. Yeah. Not that one's bad or the other because I've lived in Minneapolis, Denver, like I've been around. But it's just that freedom is really addicting. It's like what? really addicting. You know, one uh, cool fact, county you're sitting in right now, Bayfield County, last county in Wisconsin without a stoplight. Wow. We do not have still, we do not have any functioning stoplights in this county. Even Bayfield itself? Really? There are no functioning stoplights in Bayfield really? County. Pretty no cool, kidding. huh? Yeah. That's pretty wild. And I would bet we could probably count on two hands, you know, the Is counties Ash- left in the whole United have, States that do that. Ashland doesn't have Ashland is in Ashland County. That doesn't have a single stoplight. Yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> right? I was say the town that I grew up in still doesn't have a single stoplight. Yeah. The whole entire county. Bayfield yeah, County this, is yeah, huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This that's entire county. Bayfield County I mean, is huge. And that's because... It's actually, it's the second... I think it's the second biggest county in the state. Yeah. No, I guarantee you. There's probably some counties in northern Maine going back to Maine. That's true, too. Yeah, I mean... That are that are stoplight free. Which just, they sound like... Uh, organizes counties, probably. They've got more moose than <laughs> they have trail Maine? signs. Yeah, which is good. Sure. That means it sounds like a place I want to visit. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever been to North? You've have you ever been? You've been to Northern Maine, right? Skiing. Oh right? yeah, I've no. Like I've Sunday, taken that. I paddled the Allagash all the way to the end. Oh. To Sunday, uh, York, Sunday Maine. rivers up there too. York, not York. Yeah, well, Sunday rivers in, uh, it's it's not that far from the border of New Hampshire. Oh okay, I thought it was like up there. No, that's Sugarloaf. Sugarloaf's further that's up what there. I was thinking of. Up in Carabasset. They have mountain biking up there. Yeah, so they just started building the Carabasset uh, chapter of Nimba. Oh really? Just started building some serious trails. It's like one of the premier places I want to go to this summer to check out. Yeah, that's that's the kind of area. Like we were up, we just went to Acadia that one year. But it's like I I want to keep going north. Yeah, yeah. I like to hear there's more moose than. Well, and you get to a part where they're like, if you don't have gas, do not continue, because the next service station is 50, 60, 80 yeah. miles. Like. 
That's what they start See, and you were already bitching driving from Minneapolis. Like, man, there's not a gas station for 30 miles. I don't know what to do. <laughs> well, that was because I needed something to drink. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I leave uh, Minneapolis, and I'm like, I'll just stop as soon as I get out of, like, the town area, right? right? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute, there's nothing. No. No, it's funny. A lot it's of farm. A lot of farm fields. Yeah. Yeah, it's flat. Transitions pretty quick to woods. So... How long have you been doing Tureen? Uh, Tureen uh, is now um, two and a half years old. So three winter seasons. So we launched it in October of uh, 2016. How did you just decide to do that? You're, you're uh, like, hey, you know what? We should probably do that ourselves. Uh, a lot of it was uh, we, uh, my partner, um, he was an engineer for another tire company. And uh, he and I had both done a lot of work where we had, done some other fat bike tires that were pretty well known and well regarded. So, um, we knew that market, we knew what we were doing. We also knew we wanted to make some improvements on what had been done. And so that's kind of where we dove in, um, and said, especially, you know, I'd say a tire company for one of selling tires is not a sexy thing. Um, so, and tires, um, enormous investment to start, right? Each tire mold. So every single size is about 15 grand. And really? so, yeah. Wow. Um, and so people Jeez. just don't start tire companies, right? Yeah. Because supply chain's a mess, huge upfront costs, not real fun to sell, um, and that. So they don't. But that also means there's a lot of opportunity there because it basically, it's all consumed by some very large corporations. Um, so also being that we had a lot of experience in bikes and in niche markets, we wanted to see if, what it was like to make a niche market tire company. Yeah. You, uh... Obviously learned a lot. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, going back. Um, are there some things, I don't want to like, you know, pull the curtain back on everything, but are there some things where you just look back even two years ago and you're like, man, why did I even think that was, like, what was I time. thinking? All the time. I mean, yeah. uh, that's just entrepreneurship. Uh, if you're a startup entrepreneur and you don't do that, you're you're just simply not honest with yourself. I mean, even the most perfect person in the scope of being an entrepreneur has made some mistakes, right? So if you're, and I do that everywhere. I mean, if you go back and you say, Oh, I've made no mistakes. You're, you're, you're bullshit. You're lying yourself, to yourself. Right? So, um, I so can't even listen to the first like two years of mountain bike radio. Cause it was just, <laughs> the audio was horrible. I just look back. I, I look back and I'm like, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know how we did it. I mean, that's yeah. But just, Oh yeah. There's plenty of, um, you know, we, but the good thing is all of the mistakes you make kind of create an evolution and that evolution uh, creates where you are. Right. So um, we're quite happy with where we are. So the mistakes were good in that sense. I'm sure I would rather not made some mistakes that cost us a ton of money, but Hey, that's the way it goes. Um, <laughs> it's just money, man. At the end right, of the day, just like, money. You, can, you can figure uh, it out somehow. We'll make more of it. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> somehow. Right. right? Yeah. But uh, as long as you learn from it, then it, Cost well worth it. Exactly yeah, right. It's an, inve- it's an, an investment. Cost. It's yeah. an investment in your learning. It's an investment yeah. in learning. There you go. Right? Um, hey. But but yeah, that's a that's that's how you got to look at it. Um, and then we're happy with where we're at. So overall, it's been good. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned you know terrain with fat bike tires, but a big push in the next whatever years to remind people you have other tires. So what do you? Uh, I'm giving you a chance to like pitch this stuff here. Yeah. <laughs> well, because I mean, people need to know this stuff because it's 
you start to get in with tires, any components, you start to get in a rut of what you look for. You know, me as a consumer, I do the same thing. It's like you get in a rut of what you're looking for and you're, and then something new pops up. There's so many different. Yeah. And there's so much static that you, you forget to check these different things. So we need to pound it in people's head that when they're looking for. Yeah. So what we do is uh, a lot of specialty stuff. Um, Fat bikes definitely is one of our main specialties because we're here and that's how we ride. But, uh, a lot of what we're doing is we're not trying to, you know, let's say we're beating down the big guys or doing anything necessarily better than them. Uh, we're just doing things different. So uh, a lot of our stuff is plus bikes, gravel bikes. Um, of course, Beyond Fat Bike also started winter product. So we're, we're concentrating on specialties and things that will say the market is too small for the big guys, for Maxis and Schwalbe and Continental to care about. But it's big enough for a small upstart like me to go, heck, yeah, I'm taking that market. And that's more than enough for me. And, you know, we're small. We have four employees now. Yeah. Which is we're super proud. Like, hell, that's yeah, cool, we have though. four employees. Yeah, that's awesome. um, but, you know, it's, we're super small with that. But where these markets are more than enough for me and my small team to take on and and really hammer and try and own that market, um, and which is good because that how that translates to the rest of, of cycling <laughs> Is it allows it allows us to kind of develop these small niches that are where there still are pockets of riders that have demand for it, right? So, basically, our purpose is um, to stay small and to continue doing that, so that all these cool things like this fat bike market, right, which is really huge in this small space we're sitting right now. So that means it's big enough for us as a small company to look at, but the big companies are on ignoring it right now like right. you know Schwabe has said we're never making another fat bike tire they've said that publicly oh really um yeah oh they make, I didn't know that. they make one and they said they're never making another because the market's too small for them to yeah. care about well um, you could tell they just didn't really care either and that's not that it's it's not that they're heartless and they don't care they're no, just no, no. I they're mean, just an enormous yeah, I know. yeah I, I mean that not that they didn't care but you could tell that the the tire based on the tires they put out yeah there was like yeah we should probably do that yeah but i mean and then I'd say I'd say they're making oh for one is I'm selfishly going heck yeah I'm glad um, but also you know they're making the right decisions for their company as far as you know a company that makes millions and millions of bicycle tires a year um, they're making the right decisions for their market and that's great because it leaves it uh, leaves some opportunity for us yeah so why do you like doing all these events so we okay listen we have we have to back up a little bit and set the stage for this because there's. I've known Tim for, I don't know, several years. Actually, I met you the first time I met you was the first Shawamigan 100 yeah. um, at Rivers Eatery. And I always, now every time I go into, I was telling Ben. Can you believe that's 11 years ago? I know. <clears throat> and I still have, I gave my brother, a, actually, do I have an XXC hat on? Yeah, so I did. Oh, God, I got to, we got to set the stage here because Ben, you have no idea what this is about. But so this XXC hat was XXC mag back 11, 12 years ago. There's a buddy of mine, Jason Mahoki. He started this online magazine, and I still contend if he would have started it, you know, three years ago and been part of this, it would have been a thing. Back then, nobody had iPads, phones, anything, so it was like, you know, an online magazine. Yeah, like, he was what the is head, so it wasn't nearly as accessible yeah, as it is, is today, this? right? Yeah. yeah. Anyhow, so it was just people writing different things, and it was a collection of stories about um, getting out there and doing, you know, like long distance rides. And actually, he had like a touring, bikepacking type of stuff way before it was like oh wow a thing. So, so way ahead of the curve. Yeah. So he did it for a few years, and they just it wasn't viable, and just didn't want to do it anymore. And um, 
so back when I was getting started, we were living in, so that was 11 years ago, 2008. We were living in Denver. At the, we had just moved, I think, to Denver at the time. Uh, I was kind of on my way out in the accounting, the tax world. I just didn't want to do it anymore. Jeez, I, have, so I have no idea why you'd ever want to get out yeah, of that Yeah, I was world. an international tax specialist for like seven years. A couple of the biggest accounting firms in the Did country. Did you have a theme song for being an international? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. But any so at the time, I wanted to start getting away from that. So I started doing some writing for uh, – I got involved with 303cycling.com in Denver. And then I got found Jason, and I did a couple things for him. One of the first things I wrote was about the Shawamigan Rune 100. So I wrote this article talking about this new event. We were doing these cue cards. It was all by cue cards. Everybody's getting lost. All the leaders, you'd end up like the group. All of a sudden, there's like 12 people at an intersection. They're all looking at each other. We're like, we don't know where to go. So it was really fun because it's like, you know, back and forth. So that first year, article. we might have given cue cards and said good luck. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> like I wish. So I was talking to Joe about doing something like that again. Yeah. So like, here's a checkpoint. Figure it out. Because now we're at the, the electronics where, free ride. Well, Back Could you then, imagine? So back then it was really po- it was popular because it was new, something different. Yep. But then it got unpopular because a bunch of the normal crowd came in and said, "Well, we don't know where to go. We don't know how this. It's not a normal race." Blah blah blah. And I was like, "Oh man, really? we had to uh, we had to evolve with kind yeah. of the way the participants are going." Yeah. We held our ground a little bit. We're still yeah, pretty grassroots, so we're, but so actually we're we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, so anyhow, so I did this thing and i have it i gave it as a christmas present i took a picture of my brother riding up one of the berkey hills and this article and i framed it so he's got it downstairs so i still have the original magazine like the article and stuff yeah but that's where i met tim is he was doing check-in at river's eatery him and joe miser um check-in for this event at river's eatery that was my first time in rivers and then the after party was at the angry minnow so we had the first after party at angry minnow um so that was the first Schwamigan 100. Here we are 11 years later. So, yeah, so I met him the first, and it's been only the last couple of years where we're like, you know, know that's each other. Wild. as like, you know, I, we're friends at this point, but that's where it started. So that was my first intro to the Hayward Cable whole area. Wow. And the trails, because we run every trail that's out there in the Schwamigan 100. Yeah. Well, back then it wasn't even, we didn't have all the trails. My brother well, and I... Was- yeah, that was the first start of the Schwamian 100 was yeah. the push for single track. So yeah. what was going on up here is that was the time right after I moved away from here, but I lived up here and I was on the board of directors of the trails up here at that time. And the big thing was we had this push and we had just basically put together 100 miles of single track. It wasn't fully connected at that time, but there was 100 miles of single track up here. But the only reason people knew of this area was the Schwamigan 40, which was, you know, a dirt road ski trail race, which is great. Um, nothing against the 40, but then we had this thing of like, I was sitting there going, we need to show people this single track. Yeah. And that was that was what born that yeah. race. Huh. That was only 11 years ago, you know. And we got to a point, my brother and I were riding, my GPS had died, and we were just kind of following along where we thought <laughs> where we thought we were supposed to go based on, like, tire tracks and people and whatever. And we got to this one intersection, we followed it because it looked like tracks and things, right? It was, like, fully worn-in tracks. It, to this day, I still don't know where it was, but we rode probably a mile in, and all of a sudden, there's a wheelbarrow and a shovel, and it stopped, and we're like, holy shit. Damn it. And that's where it was. Like, that was the point of the single track at that point was it was still being built. Wow. You know, I still don't know where it was. I really, as I ride and stuff, I still don't know where <laughs> yep. that was. 
Um, but yeah, so back to now, and Tim was he's gotten involved with the Frozen Forty. I put on the Frozen Forty. Yep. Frozen Forty dot com listeners, and um, I set the stage for all that because I want to talk about events. Yeah. And ask you like, why do you like doing this sort of thing, and like, why do you? Because you gravitate towards doing events, putting them on, being at them, supporting yep. them. Terrain Tires is at everything you could possibly be at, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Polar Roll, you guys had, you were slinging meat. And oh, like, yeah. We, all kinds of stuff. We served like 240 hot dogs to, to the racers <laughs> so the, at wow. the Polar Roll. The, the Polar Roll, 906 Polar Roll. I think that's the website, too. Pol- yeah. 906 Polar Roll. The Margie Gasset crew, Todd Paquette, we were talking about the other night. Yep, yep. Um, see, I'm giving, I play game. I, I give him yeah, plugs. Yep. Because <laughs> um, I'll send him the link and say, hey, we talked about you, and he'll like, you know. Anyhow, so the Polar Roll is a big, is a pretty popular event up in Marquette. Okay. So they have a whole network of 500 and, racers yeah. for a fat bike event. Wow. In ridiculous snow this in, year. In the middle of absolute nowhere, too. Yeah. Like, Marquette is like seven hours from everywhere. So, yeah. <laughs> and actually, the the bridge gets shut down a lot too, so yeah. people are like stuck yeah. there. But why do you like? What's it? What's your? What's the draw for somebody like you? You have plenty of stuff going on. You're running all these events. Like, why do you like? We got to take a picture of the spread. Now. Yeah, we right. Have a, we have a bacon bar. Our, here. Like, our bacon what? lounge here is yeah. pretty awesome. Well, t- uh, and uh, this bacon bourbon giveaway, bar, right? Yeah. Bacon bourbon bar. Of, uh, the smell right now, like we're oh, yeah. oh, it's, it's so good. All it's we really can smell good. is bacon. Yeah. Um, I'll give away some of my secrets right now for you, and that's actually so. My my degree is in psychology, right? So events for us are a big marketing tool. So you're just because, analyzing us as because we're talking, well, you know? one of my one of my beliefs as far as how to build a brand and how to build a following is to have people associate having a good time with the brand. So I could take a bunch of money and I could invest in magazine ads and people could see my stuff and I could make some marketing claim about why my stuff is better. And maybe that'll sell my stuff, but that's not how I want to build a brand. How we build a brand for both the tire company, the bike company and all that is we want people to have a warm and fuzzy feeling about who we are as people, as, uh, as an experience they had alongside of us yeah. and all that. And what that'll do is that'll translate into them being comfortable with us and then Therefore, if our product fits what they need, they'll pick our product, right? Yeah. And so, for one, is it, it it allows it so, for one, is we get to have fun doing it. The events are yeah, fun. Yeah, this is right? really good. The events are fun, so <laughs> we're there. But that's, that is actually my strategy in brand building is to basically, first and foremost, have people that have simply a positive viewpoint and a positive association with who we are and what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and then my belief, um, because I don't like push sell, I don't push sell at all. Yeah, um, my belief is that once we built that. that brand, people have a positive association with us. One is they'll start looking at us. They'll start seeing our stuff and noticing our stuff. And then if our product fits their needs, they'll buy our product. Yeah. Right. And so um, and that uh, that's worked in other places I've been as far as building brand first. Um, and so that's our thing. And so it, uh, it it's a bit a of a long more effort. It's a lot more effort, yeah. and it's a long game. Um, we're definitely on the ten-year long game here. But the one thing is, um, yeah, but you're building so much more brand loyalty in well, that whole entire process. And it's brand loyalty. So I've consulted for numerous bike companies um, in the industry, and there's a lot of bike companies I've consulted with that were very technologically focused yep. and not brand focused. Um, and that's okay because selling tech is a lot of cyclists want to buy tech, right? But um, what I talk to them on is I try to do a lot of brand consulting with that is so if you're selling on tech, you have some special thing. That's pretty cool. But what happens when somebody 
knocks it off and sells it cheaper. Why are your customers still going to buy your product when they might be able to get the same thing for cheaper, right? Brand is the differentiator. Brand is the one thing they can't necessarily copy. Goodwill, good feelings, um, positive experiences. That's what can't be copied, right? So, um, so yeah, while it's a longer term game plan for us, um, you know, it can be where 10 years down the road, um, it's where people simply, they know about us, they come to us, uh, because they want to be with us and they like us and all that. Um, and then, and then the product is easy because then it's real easy. If, if, if they need our tires, they buy our tires. If they don't need our tires, that's okay too. You know, um, I mean, especially being with the, the whole tire company plan, we only need to like, you know, attain like one tenth of 1% of market share to be successful. <laughs> so, you know, cause we're, we're a pretty small company that way. So that's, that's our game. And that's the same thing with the bikes too. Um, with bikes, we want to be a very small, unique company. Uh, we like doing what we're doing. And so we're going to keep doing what we're doing. We're going to make people happy when we're doing it. And, uh, if our bike fits their needs, sweet. If it doesn't, um, there's a ton of really good bikes on the market and that, and you know, I've had friends that always come up to me. I get all these friends that are come up to me and they'll be like, Oh man, I just bought this bike. I'm sorry. I didn't buy your bike. I'm like, no, 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 it's okay. You bought the bike that you needed. That's totally cool. Like that's, you know, and, and, and that's fine. So I was talking to Brandon Otso Cycles. He's yeah. a demo guy. So we have Tom Keith over here. He's walking around. How's it going, Tom? Good, guys. Good. Uh, you know, we're at the suffering we had. The cold and all the snow to make this happen. Right? Yeah, that's good. I tested out the trails last night and this morning, or this afternoon. Really good? Yeah. Really good? Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. Even though I got in trouble, I'll okay. <laughs> uh, So... I was talking to Brandon last night, yeah. uh, Otso Cycles, and which, by the way, OtsoCycles.com, listeners. Um, but we were talking about the same thing because we pulled up some components. You know, I was telling you, with yep. <laughs> there's uh, ways to get really cheap components. I'll let you figure that out. I won't help that cause. But And I was talking to Brandon and telling him it's, it's like I spend, I'm like you. I don't push. I probably should. You know, Ben's good at it. I'm not because I don't like pushing shit. I'd rather... Put the effort in. Not that you don't put the effort in. I was going like, to say, you just told me, I like told no, everybody no, no. else the pusher, man. You're, <laughs> you're, so Ben, so the other Ben, he's very much more marketing focused uh, mindset because that's your background. Yeah. For me, I'm just not, I would rather spend two days talking to people than posting Facebook posts. For me, it's a long game because it's like they're buying us. And me, like the the fact that we're talking to people, right? They're, mm-hmm. So I could push a lot more than I do. But I was talking to him. It's like we we're talking about the cheap versus the expensive components, right? Or like the chain, like wolf tooth stuff. It's like at the end of the day, they're not, we could all go buy those chain rings, the cheap ones. But we don't. You know why? Because you heard Brendan talking about that. Or Brandon's out at every possible event I've seen this winter talking to people, help him get on bikes and like explaining things and like with a smile on his face, like that smile and that like, Hey, how's it going? Is the way to get somebody off the fence of like, well, I could do this, well, but you know what? But At the, the end of the day, I know thing, I'm dealing with that people. It all comes person. back to the fact that people want to be connected to what they're yeah, putting into their body, what they're enjoying in real life. Yes. They all want that connection and I, that's I, how you build it. Right. Yeah. So you're, you're at every single event, Tim making that connection 
that you don't get through yeah. a Facebook the, post or. But the internet thing is a good. It's a good reminder, constant reminder of like, hey. Well, that's know, like a, yeah. And then Staying you seal the deal mind, when you talk to them face to face, right? Yeah. But if you have that face to face, every time that you see that brand pop up. Yeah. On your social feed, yeah, or when you're cruising through whatever website, yeah, you're you on. have your your potential customers DMing you like, "Hey, when your when's the right. bike going to be available?" Right. You know, right? So, yeah, yeah, no, it's smart. It's being at the party. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right. So, and you like throwing the party, you mixed up all these old fashioned this mix and all this yeah. stuff. So, so yeah, we keep a we keep a big list in the company because we run, even though Tareen and Esker are separate, um, we're one corporation and we run. Everyone does everything in the company, so. We run this big thing, and I think uh, I want to say our list of events this year was 64 events. Oh, right, that's more than one every weekend, and that's exactly it. like right now. I'm sitting here, you know, with Tareen, and we're doing Fat Bike Berkey. Uh, another half of our team is in Moab right now doing Spring Thaw with Esker. Um, but uh, how do you have time for doing work? Right? We yeah, right. <laughs> that's precisely the problem. We but, talk uh, well. Tim and I talk about it all the time because he the joke is at this point if he. It's. I think for us, it's not even a joke at this point. It's like we gotta rein shit in. But uh, he's like, I don't know what email to email you at because I'll email him from three different emails. <laughs> it's like the frozen, you know, the frozen forty one, right. ra- riding gravel one, right. mountain bike radio one. So, but we so deal. So then we with- go shotgun, right? Yeah. And then, and then that makes it even worse for Ben because now he's got to read my email three different times. Yeah, and I do the same <laughs> thing with him. Well, and you should reply from each one of them, right? Just. Like a few words With of every sentence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying you got to put like half yeah, the I'm sentence gonna, in one of them. That's what I'm saying. The other half in another. I'll send you half of one and then the other one will be there in your go. other email. There we go. Or every so. third word in one of the three email addresses. <laughs> yep. That's funny. That would just be mean. But yeah, so it's, um, oh, sorry. I cut you off with that, but it, it's the, it's hard to do. You have to, you have to just say no. It's really hard to say no, mm-hmm. but yeah. So you're embracing the no man this year, aren't you? Yeah, it's important. It's not a bad thing. No, because we really need to focus on what we do. Yeah, it's like Joe said. You know, it's like you need to focus on what you do well, and what you can do, as opposed to like what you're missing out. Do what on. you can you do. Know, do it well. Yeah. Something interesting. And everybody there else will forgive you. Is is it might be also the phase of being an entrepreneur as well. Like I found um, years uh, one and two of our company. I said yes to everything. I just said yes. Out of the, I did too. Out of some of the fear of like, oh my God, is this the opportunity that if I say no, this is the golden yeah. opportunity. The one right? that you're going to miss, so right? I said yes to everything and I overloaded myself and did all kinds of crazy stuff like that. I'm sure you were there too. And then it almost gets into like, now that I'm in year three, four-ish, um, we're getting to the point where like, there's certain things I've learned. Some things are not good opportunities. Some things are. So we start to be able to say no because we know like that opportunity was not worth our time. Or we also also start to get realistic about like, all right, now we need to start to be, you know, we can't just like just wear ourselves out for eternity, right? Now we also have to start achieving some level of balance. But also I think you also start to realize um, just through some experience too, what events are good, what events are not. As far as, and not to say like there's bad events, but what events are good for us, right? Like, you know, Tureen's definitely been to some events that's like spectacular event. I had a great time there. Wasn't our customer base, mm. so it wasn't worth our time, right? Um, but and, you would have never known that had you not been but there. Never, but yeah, I never would have known that without saying yes in the first place. Right. Um, and then there's other events that I've said yes to that, you know, there's a couple events out there I said yes to that I'd never heard of. And now we're like on our permanent list every year because they're awesome. Right? The event. So, so I think there's also part of that, like almost 
let's call it entrepreneurial fear it, of like right away you just got to be like, yep, I'm doing yeah. everything. So I don't regret <laughs> entrepreneurial fear of missing out. Right? Yeah, yeah. It entrepreneurial is, FOMO. We, yeah, we, FOMO. we just coined a new oh, term. Oh, God. E-FOMO. <laughs> E-FOMO. Is that like e-bikes? E-FOMO? <laughs> Fortunately, you grow out of E-FOMO. Right? Yeah. Or you I, should. I don't regret you know, like the last five, you said that I don't really regret the last five years because a lot of the stuff I wouldn't have learned and push myself to like figure out what does and doesn't work and things you need to learn, things you don't need to learn, things you need to worry about. Cause that's the only way you do it is just say, yeah, just shock on man. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, but then, you know, like Mick always says rivers eatery. Every time I see him, it's like, well, not every time, but it's like, cause he'll ask you how it's going. It's like, good but uh you know i'm trying to say no more he's like yeah you got to be careful when you plant that garden and you fertilize it you need to be careful what how much you fertilize and what you fertilize because you might end up with a pretty full garden and you don't know what to do with um so i don't regret it it's but then just at the at same end you don't want to harvest it all at once either i know right. i know right that's the other key piece <laughs> but i think it. it's very much that's a good way i never really thought about it that way it's like i'm so i'm i'm uh aging getting yeah. more experience yeah yeah um but so it's yeah. I just feel like we're you you sell a lot more stuff than I do. But like I feel like we're in the same spot as far as that's concerned. It's, yeah, it's just. Well, I mean, business models are different. You have a different way of. Yeah. You have a different way of monetize. Like my way of monetizing. My overhead is none. My way of monetizing my business is much more literal, right? Like yeah. Here's our thing. Buy our thing. A, yeah. Right? Ours is a very. Uh, this is very much soft. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And our overhead is literally what's overhead, right? Yeah. Your yeah, overheads we, a little we have more the, than that. We have the more literal monetizing method because we have a whole bunch of stuff that we uh, yeah, bought. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, have you to have to get into to cost accounting to figure your shit out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, so you're doing all your prototyping, all of your design right in Minneapolis, right? Yeah. Well, Minneapolis and Whitefish, Montana. So I mentioned, oh, cool. I mentioned Anders earlier on. Um, Anders Brost, uh, he came with me. Uh, well, he actually left ahead of me. Um, when we, uh, worked for a bigger company and he was kind of ready to, well, he wanted to move back to Montana, which where he was from. So he moved back to Whitefish, Montana. Um, and then that's kind of when, uh, I left and got the band back together and, uh, and whatnot. So he still lives in Whitefish. Uh, he's our mechanical engineer. Oh, nice. So now our team, our full-time team, um, is myself and Anders Brost, uh, is our mechanical engineer out in Whitefish. Then we have uh, then we have Ryan, uh, who's our marketing director. He's based good, out of good. Bozeman, Montana. Um, and then we have uh, a recent addition with James Kauth, is our COO. So finally, somebody to help me uh, <laughs> keep the day to day intact. Um, and he's based in Minneapolis with me as and well. James, actually, I think he was in the first Frozen Forties. They've him yep. and Martha have raced yeah, yeah. a lot of Frozen yep. Forties. So he's been around the the Minneapolis bike scene for a long time. He's strong um, so he's in Minneapolis too. with me. So pretty... so that's our team. Um, and then, yeah, we do, uh, as far as how we function, um, we do all of our own designs. We do all of our own prototyping. We do all of our own engineering. Um, we have a team of people that help us in Taiwan as well. well I was going to uh, say, are you producing in Taiwan? Yep. So we're producing in Taiwan. And uh, on top of that, we also have yes. um, oh. about three people in Taiwan that work yeah. for us full time that are doing, um, they're helping manage our supply chain, manage our productions. Gotcha. Um, when we do send drawings over, they're working more directly with the factory on a day-to-day basis. I still go to Asia uh, quite a bit to yeah. to just you know oversee things, um, but they're on a day-to-day basis making sure factory does it right, um, factory does it on time, 
nice. all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So basically, um, aside from aside from the we we're using third party factories for our manufacturing. Everything else we do ourselves. That's fantastic. So Gary, so I'm totally interrupting the conversation. So this guy, wait, Gary, was that Gary? Yeah, he sent me an email. Uh, we'll track him down. Uh, but <laughs> this guy Gary sent me an email yesterday talking about the uh, recording we did the other day, and he's like, yeah. you know, it's the best podcast, any Berkey oh, podcast, yeah, whatever. That was, that was him. Nice. So he sent, me, he gave me this medal with a mountain bike radio because he said you're not going to be racing. So I made you this, and he had that's awesome. He, he actually had bought mountain bike radio stickers, so he took this medal. And made a metal with a mountain bike rail sticker in the middle and then put bar ends and not a crime stickers on the ribbon. Love it. And just brought it by. So that's that's you gotta awesome. put it on. I'm taking a photo of you okay, with so it on. Anyhow, so, so show notes. That totally goes to show notes right the, there. Totally, inter- oops. totally interrupted the conversation there. But all right. Is that good? Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. So this is what you Thanks, get with Gary. The, this is what you get with the Shout uh, out to Gary. on site. Oh, here comes Peter. He's gonna want to steal a Steel spot, but anyhow, so sorry, I totally interrupted. But it's but. all good. We were just covering, like, uh, Bennett asked me uh, just about our development and, and what we do as far as like what our company is, um, and whatnot. And, and that's a, that's an important thing. Um, we like to, we're pretty proud of all that that we covered, Ben, just because, yeah. uh, there are so many companies out there, um, now that, um, like you can have a mountain bike company now just by showing up at the Taipei show with a checkbook. Right. And you have a mountain bike company. And you've got a mountain bike company. And we're just really proud that we're definitely not that. We All of our stuff is our own designs, our own engineering, yeah. our own testing, all that. So. And is that the same for Asker? Same, in, even more so in Asker. Um, like when we do tires, uh, we design the tread patterns. We design our own proprietary studs. Um, we set our own casing layups. We set our own rubber uh, durometer and all that. Um, but the machinery and some of the, the base level, like <clears throat> the casing shape is the factories on Esker. Um, everything is ours. We design our own tube sets for our steel bikes. Oh, nice. Um, we cast our own dropouts. We have, oh, that's awesome. Um, our carbon bikes are every single bit. Even some of the bearings are custom built for us. Wow. Wow. <coughs> that's very cool. I'd actually, I'd love to do. If you come out east, oh yeah, we need to get Dave Weagle, yeah, so yeah, and, and on, you and talk about that's all the one of our, that's all the design one of our goals um, with some of our eastern stuff because you know he um, he's now he spends half his time in Park City. He has sure. a, he lives in Park City and at Martha's Vineyard. Yep, yeah, Martha's Vineyard's where he's based, and um, I get over there a bit to work with him. So and yeah, he's a. He loves, especially a lot of the downhills in in Vermont and Mass. Oh yeah, absolutely. But that would be a fun episode to do. Talk about the Orion. Can we mm-hmm. talk about bikes a little bit? I want to just. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. I'm always curious, not so much about the bikes, but how do you decide to like jump into that too? Go for it. Like, why do you? Because it's not an easy market to. Like you said, there's so many good bikes out there. How do you just say, you know what? I think we can do this. Fill this void. Sure. Which is well, just one night you were, had too many drinks and you're like, yeah, let's just do it. Or um, how do you get, I mean, you have obviously a background in it. Yeah. On the bike side, a lot of our approach was we wanted to, um, let's see, I'm not going to use the word disruption because everyone talks no, about it, disruption, right? Yeah. Um, what we saw is a shift in how people were buying bikes, right? Yeah. And so part of it was, um, the, well, I'll say going all the way back. Um, if we talk about the start of Esker, um, Esker 
was initially formed to be a consumer direct bike company that was going to sell DW link bikes made with aluminum frames at $2,000 retail. Okay. Right? Um, that was actually our initial concept is I was, we were working with Weagle and Weagle's been a friend of mine for a long time. So, um, we were initially going to, uh, do that. That was my concept. I have a lot of passion for simply delivering a really, really good solid bike at the lowest possible price for people. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, you know what, through, through the consumer direct buying channels that are happening now, um, and, and some other things I wanted to, to kind of bring really high performing mountain bikes to a lower Mm -hmm. level. Um, through talking with him and then kind of the way the industry was going at that time, we ended up shifting to Orion because Orion was a patent um, that's specific to one-by uh, setup. So it was made for oh, motorcycles, yeah. right? Uh, a one-by oh, single chain line application. Um, we ended up going to Orion because right at the time we were talking about getting this going was when one-by drivetrains became normal, yeah. accepted. Yeah. Um, and Dave Almost the looked, standard. Yeah, and Dave looked at me and goes, hey, why don't we why don't we actually also do something time. a little bit different yeah. and let's get this this new patent to market as opposed to using DW link again um, and uh, and let's let's see what it does and so that's what we did we decided to go down that route because it was a new thing and one by drivetrains are accepted and then of course to launch a brand um, we also decided to go high end first um, so I'm kind of giving away my cards here right like no, that there might be aluminum uh, Orion bikes at affordable prices coming yeah. you know, a couple <laughs> years out yeah, yeah. but uh um, to, to really establish Orion in the market uh, because it's an amazing functioning uh, system. Uh, you know, we went to the higher end point, but we also still um, stuck with a bit of the, the consumer direct buying method. So we have a really unique method of, of how we deliver bikes to customers uh, in that we both work with retailers um, that are actually our demo centers and we do consumer direct. So um, my approach wasn't, and that's why I don't like the word disruption, our approach was not to disrupt the marketplace. Our approach was actually that customers all have their own style of how they want to buy now. Some yeah. customers are still super attached yeah, to bike shops. Right. Some customers want to they want to buy it from the company. They're more comfortable talking to the company, but they don't know how to put it together, so they want it delivered through a shop. And then there's some customers that say, I don't want the bike shop. Put it on my doorstep, right? And so what we did is we developed a method that actually works with all three of those. Um, so as opposed to saying we're disrupting the channel and we're doing this new thing, we're saying... I'm going to deliver it through the sales channel that my customer wants. Right. It was just super Whatever smart. I mean, Let them so, make the decision. It's such yeah. a basic yeah. thing, but it's not, it, it's such a basic thing, but it doesn't, it's not that easy. No. Because not everything's like that. No, no. It's like we were, uh, we're only this. We're right. only customer or consumer direct. Right. That's it. Right. Like it's, yeah. yeah. And to say, to say that you're only one is really difficult because you're basically cutting out an entire, yeah. you're cutting out interested customers like you don't know your customer that's going to be interested in your product um you don't know are they the guy that says i only go to bike shops are they the guy that says i don't i don't want to deal with bike shops at all i want to do it myself i want it delivered to my house i can imagine that gets kind of touchy though you have dealers and like they're they're seeing things online and direct to people oh yeah there's you just have to find a dealer who gets like who understands how it works now oh yeah right there's totally some fine lines in fact when we do our new model so our model basically is um we essentially for retailers that sell our bike to a customer, um, they still order the bike from us and we deliver it to the retailer to then deliver to the customer. But it allows us to work through a variety of ways there. So a retailer can still sell our bike. Um, but I'll tell you, when I go with our model and I talk to some retailers, um, some of them look at me like, 
thank God you're the future of the bike industry. This is awesome. Sign me up right away. And I've had some that have looked at me and go, you're destroying the bike industry. Get the hell out of my Yeah, shop. just wow. big middle wow. finger. And, and, you know, that's they all run their businesses themselves in their way, too. And, you know. I wonder if they have websites. Right, right. Well, <laughs> well, that's a thing, though, because, you know, we're dealing with all three of us kind of the same age. It's like you're dealing with people who are, you know, 40 years or younger. That's how we think. Right. Like we think, well, if we can't get it on Amazon, well, we'll get that. We can, we can go down to our local store and get it there. Or we can do Amazon. Or we could do, like, maybe ship it to the store. That's just for us. It's a normal thing at this point. Yeah. Well, and, that's, and that's the way we think. It's not. We don't have one way of doing it. And to for old, I, I think part of it, it all retail. Like if you don't look at it that way, that's why you're lose. That's why you're losing out. Exactly. Well, and no so matter. That's, that's no matter what, we start our shopping experience online. No matter what, if I'm going to a shop, I'm still looking online before I go to that shop right. to buy something. And that's where I came to the approach of following the customer and what the customer wants. Right. Because so so many times I've been in bike And shops. being where the customer already is. Right. And I've been in these brick-and-mortar shops where they they complain about, like, say, Jensen USA or Treefort. Oh, those mail-order guys are destroying my business. I said, you know what? Jensen USA and Treefort were both brick-and-mortar bike shops first. And they followed how their customer was buying. Right? So... You know, every brick and mortar retailer out there had the opportunity to say, why am I in business, right? I'm in business to get people on bikes or get people, right? And not what I do. So as opposed to saying like, I'm a brick and mortar retailer and essentially falling under as buying habits changed, a couple of the others said, no, no, my goal is to simply deliver bike parts to people. And as the methods of doing that changed, your business changes with it, right? So, so I'm a retailer instead of a brick-and-mortar retailer. Right, right. So um, that's kind of where we came from. We're simply um, we're going to we're going to deliver our excellent product to our customer in you know whatever way our customer dreams up. And I'm sure I'm going to say ten years from now, there's some sales channel that we haven't dreamed up that's right. going to happen. And if our customers end up wanting to buy our product that way, we'll adopt it. Yeah, it's good to be flexible. Yeah. Because, right. I mean, we have to look at what, I guess, the big thing is we look at what we do. We make kick-ass mountain bikes, yeah. right? So as opposed to saying, we're this wheel size or we're this sales channel or we're this material, we don't do any of that. We build kick-ass mountain bikes, and from there, we'll figure the rest out as trends and things change. So you guys were just at Sedona, the Sedona Mountain Bike Festival, last weekend. Yeah. How was it received? Oh, really good. I mean, that's actually, we're, we're uh, this year we're going to be in the opposite problem. We're going to be in the startup problem of we're going to be able to sell every single thing we make, but we're going to be sitting uh, probably, unfortunately, disappointing some customers with, you know, a month or two of outages in between shipments. Um, so we're going to be in that startup phase this year. Of, of so you of, had please yeah, stick that, with us. We're going to deliver. Yeah, your that is in the. Two uh, months, you know. So you had the LCAT with you. Yeah. Oh yeah. How many yeah. did you have? Was it uh, like Sedona? We had eleven LCATs and four Haydukes in our fleet out there. Nice. So yeah. Constantly being uh, cycled oh, yeah, we, out. We had constant, we had constant empty racks. Yeah. Um, so. And what was the feedback on the Orion? I'm just curious. Orion's a cool thing. It um, people kind of call it the the overall bike, and that was again, like I said, one one of our things. Also, as a mountain bike company, we're building mountain bikes. Um, we can be proud to say we're probably one of the only bike companies you can go on our website and you cannot find the word enduro. <laughs> right? We build. We, we simply build mountain bikes. All, in fact, all of our mountain bikes can be ridden. Over but what about your SEO? Every single type of, of of mountain bike trail, right? Our Hey Duke can be ridden everywhere our LCAT can. 
It's just a different experience. Yeah, sure. Right? So we build these mountain bikes that are uh, fully capable of everything. They just have different experiences and how they're designed. And so what that means is the Elcat is a very neutral bike, right? Um, it kind of does everything really well. And as far as like where the Orion situation fits in, Orion fits in um, where it kind of it pedals like a DW Link bike, mm-hmm. but it has more of the soft early travel of Dave's other, the Delta Link that Evil uses. Yep. Um, so it kind of, uh, to, to throw some names out there, our bike fits squarely in between Evil and Ibis, right? You know, between the ride qualities of those two bikes. Interesting. And, and that's actually um, kind of what, for one, this is what I like. Before we started the company, I owned an Insurgent and a Following and a Mojo 3 and a Ripley LS and all those bikes. And that was kind of where we wanted to be as well. Um, and those are all excellent bikes and they all have excellent traits, right? And the reason I like being there is because we're, I don't want us to be sitting here saying buy our bike over evil or buy our bike over Ibis because ours is better. Cause it's not, it just has a different approach. Yeah. Right. And so I like that those guys have their places. We have our place and simply there's this wide breadth of customers out there and kind of my approach is there's a whole bunch of customers that are going to love the Ibis better than our bike. Great. Go be Ibis customer. Ibis needs customers too. There's a whole bunch of customers going to love our bike. Great. We need customers. A whole bunch of customers going to love Evo more than us. Yep. Great. And yep. I've got no problem with that. And we're not going to, we're also not going to try and convince them that ours is better. Yeah. That's because a, for that, that customer, the Evo might be better. The Ibis might be better. And that's cool. I'm totally fine with that because we're a small company. We only need a small bit. Right. And, but we also know there's customers going to like ours better. Mm-hmm. And those are, those are our bros, right? Those right. are our customers. Right. So, that's uh, that's what we're trying to build. Yeah, that's 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 pretty cool. Yeah, trying to convince people it's like, yeah, that company sucks or that you know. Yeah, that whole thing is... of like shitting on shitting on other people, whatever. That's, no, it doesn't. That's a waste of time. Well, and short term it works. Yeah, short term, short term it'll gain you a sale. Yeah, it but never I think helps also going back out, to though. our earlier discussion of building the long term brand. If I go shit on somebody else, does that give you warm and fuzzies about me next time you want to come talk oh, to me? No, 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 right. So, nope, nope. You know, so that's kind of the, that's that's our thing. Is like, that's that's not what we're gonna do, right? So, is there a fat bike in the future of Esker? Uh, no, Esker is a mountain bike only brand. Gotcha. And by that meaning, um, so like uh, you know the plus bikes kind of bridge that gap. So sure, Esker sure. the Esker Hayduke can clear up to three tires, but that's where we're gonna be. So, um, so Krieger Outdoor, my last name, Outdoor, ha. <laughs> I was really creative with our corporate name. Um, that's our corporate name that owns Terrain and owns Esker. Um, that's not to say Career Outdoor doesn't venture into other things in the future. Yep. But also, we also have three years of development opportunity ahead of us right now with Esker. Like sure. There's so yeah, much. Yeah. Well, there's so many more bikes to, to put just in the mountain bike sphere in Esker. Um, in the short term, you're just going to see us do Esker and Terrain. Um, and then we'll see where other markets go. Um, the big thing is also, you know, a throwback uh, or throw out again to Atso um, because I do a lot of consulting for Atso and they're really good friends and they make really good bikes. Yeah. Um, they're, if you want me to recommend a fat bike or a gravel bike right now, it's going to be those mostly because, you know, I've helped work on them and they're, I think they're the best bikes out there in, <laughs> in their respective segments. Right. So, so that's kind of also one of our strategies is uh, to have some friends that kind of are doing those markets. Yeah. Um, and we're going to do mountain bikes really well. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's good to have friends. Yeah. It really does. I mean, in that, especially in that kind of way, you really do go oh, yeah. back and forth on. Yeah. Well, there's too much. Uh, I mean, the bike industry is too small for people to just be punching each other. 
right? Yeah. So I'm not I'm not at all interested in that. I don't want to spend the rest of my life having a headache seeing who I can, you know, punch in the face and <laughs> yeah. gain market share over and all that yeah. stuff. It's just at the end of the day, you can always not, run up here and get away right? anyway. It's not so why we're good. here. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. All right. I think that's, we're at, uh, it's been a long time. Sweet. Recording. Yeah, but it's been fun. Hey, yeah, thanks. Going? It's been great. So, uh, we've conclude, covered a lot. We're going to, yeah, right? I know. All from eFOMO all the way to, uh, <laughs> yeah, so eFOMO. <laughs> can I think you we have eFOMO if you were out of eBike? I think, I think Ben and I are going to write a book on eFOMO. There now. you go. There you go. Well, it, it's a, I've been thinking about it since we just discussed that, and it's it's really uh, it's made me think a lot. Actually, it's the name that's the name of this podcast. Efomo. Efomo. You know, it's just it's a uh, it's an evolution of doing things. Like you just said, it you didn't even realize you're like yeah, you know, no, we're just sticking to this right now. We're going to focus on doing it for a couple of years, and it's like We've your got, entire mindset. Is, oh yeah, oh actually yes. So that's one thing is like. Saying that, saying that Esker is a mountain bike brand. So with my partners, we kind of, we got to saying that uh, right when we launched, we kind of established that's what, who we're going to be. Yeah. Because when we launched, we said, we got to have a story when people ask the questions like you asked. Right. And so we said, okay, that's who we are. And let me tell you the pain it actually took to get to that point where we, where we were able to draw a line and have, not have the FOMO of, oh my God. Are we giving up a market when we don't sit, when we're not going to do fat bikes? Are we giving up a market when we're not going to do gravel bikes? It was tremendous how much effort that took our group to say, nope, I can only we are going to draw, we are going to draw a line in the sand and we are a mountain bike company. But at the same time, like what a weight off your chest. Oh, that too. Yeah. To yeah, finally have a, that, that line drawn. That's the thing. So once you get over the e-FOMO and you draw the line, then it's like so freeing because you're like, you're, you're, you know, targeted. your direction. You're like, yeah. we are doing this and we are going to yep. kick ass at it. Yeah. So. Which bravo to you guys for yeah, being yeah. able to do that. Yeah, right. So thanks. That's cool. All right. So we've been finishing with some concluders. So a concluder can be short, long, but it's something that uh, wrap it up and let people know what they're li- when they're listening to this. Mm-hmm. can be anything about the area, bikes, something to think about with uh, fat bikes, anything. So, Tim, you get a concluder. What do you, what do you want to say to listeners? Let them what? know just about the whatever. Well, I think kind it's of experience. one of the things I want to say is like uh, what we were touching on before with what's going on up here in the area with the Fat Bike Berkey, what's going on in the upper Midwest and in New England and in the Rockies with Fat Bikes themselves. Um, and then also like what we hear when I travel around the country doing mountain bike stuff, we constantly hear this thing in just in the bike. In, in a, it's mostly bike industry, right? When I go to trade shows and stuff, Fat Bikes are dead. Fat Bikes are dead. You know, that's crap. Fat Bikes <laughs> are not dead. They're hyper local. Um, right. But there is, what we're showing here is there is an enormous amount of people that it is how we get to ride bikes for half the year, and they are dedicated to it, and they love it, and it's a ton of fun to do it. And so what that means is I'm not trying to, like, say fat bikes, rah, 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 you know, the whole industry should embrace fat bikes again. What I'm trying to say is, like, whenever people come up with these statements of, like, something is dead or that's gone, it's like, no, you know what? There's space for everything, right? And that kind of also comes back to what I was talking about with our tire company, us being small, unique, doing niche stuff. Um, nothing's dead. Like, you know, I could also say coil rear shocks are dead. Yeah. Go to Southern California, they'll beg to differ. Right. Yeah. And so it, it comes down, down. I think that's one of the things we actually need to embrace as an industry is just like um, things, every different area, like also tires, right? Like when we make a mountain bike tire, this is one of the things I love. People get on like the internet. And one guy will say, this mountain bike tire is perfect. And this other guy will go, you're an idiot. That mountain bike tire is crap. 
and they're in two different parts of the country riding different trails. And that's, I think that's my big closure thing. What this shows, what all of kind of this, what I'm talking about, we see in the industry is we all just need to like chill out and embrace that. There's all these different ways to ride bikes all across the country and they're all equally valid and they're all equally fun. And when it comes down to it, we're all here in the bike industry for fun. So yeah. chill out about it. Yeah. Absolutely. And don't say fat bikes are dead. Yeah. <laughs> well, like Tony always says from the path, love the bike you ride, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, that is uh it's a pretty good saying. It's a it great is. saying. Yeah. Every time he says it at the end of his podcast, I'm like, thanks, man. Yeah, that's yep. a reminder in life. Yeah. He's like, just Absolutely. love what you have and quit worrying about shit, you know? Yeah. And they also said that rock and roll was dead. Well, yeah, that too, right? <laughs> yeah. So what do you so with this episode, Ben, you get a concluder. You've had a lot of concluders, but what do you got? What do you have for? Uh, so my last one was I can't wait for t- tomorrow. Yeah, and today it's I'm enjoying today. Yeah, it's it's definitely delivering. We have a uh, clear blue sky. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's it's good. Well, and I guess that's my suggestion for everybody is to you know my first year as a fat biker. If you haven't tried it yet, today's the day. Like there's there should be nothing that is stopping you from getting out there no, and throwing a leg over a fat bike. Free and going out. bikes over here. And yeah, like you can walk around. You could talk to the Berkey directors even if you wanted to get the inside scoop with all the see them all kind of standing around hanging out right now. Yep. But yep. No. Do it today. Okay. I don't have to leave a concluder. Concluder, do I? I'm good. I, I think you kind of do. Nah. Uh, my concluder is uh, eFOMO. <laughs> it's uh, when, so my rec, okay, this is my concluder here, is I've gone through this, like, half of this episode, I've been just here, sitting here thinking about my life. Ugh. We've, grown, last, so, we've grown together, men, in this episode. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I would say here's my concluder is that when you, if anybody's out there listening and you're thinking about starting a business or you are in the midst of starting a business, uh, don't be afraid to say yes to as much as you can. Uh, put yourself in a position where it's like, oh shit, how am I going to do all this and figure it out? Because that's how you figure stuff out. But just realize that at some point you're going to come to the, the conclusion that I really need to kind of whittle this down, say no and focus on what you're doing and don't be don't think that you're doing something wrong because you got so used to for many years or even if it's months or years or whatever, depending on your time frame, you got so used to being in the habit of saying yes, that some point along the line, you're like, oh shit, I need to, I need to figure this out and like take a break, break and focus on what you're doing. So anybody that's out there listening and you're in the midst of starting something up or getting out of your job and getting into something else like you do you do have to go through a period where i think you say yes more than you want to to learn the stuff that you do but you don't regret doing also, it also to start a business the first thing you have to do is say yes to yourself and do it right that's the hardest yes yeah but you should do it in my experience it was a it was difficult but it was worth it yeah so that's my concluder does that work i think it's good i think it's a good okay. one all right. Do we went philosophical here. Sweet. Yeah, I know. But uh, all right, cool. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate Tim, it. Tim, thanks, man. That was great. Yeah. Thank you, listeners. See ya. I might get stuck in the mud, but I'd rather get lost out here than anywhere else. I'm going to pedal around in that Midwestern.